It's time for the VolQuest podcast, where we dissect the biggest news items of the week. Good Tuesday, everyone. Welcome to the Smoky Mountain Organics VolQuest.com podcast on this Tuesday. Glad to have you along with us with Austin Price and Ben McKee. I am Brent Hubbs. Smoky Mountain Organics been a longtime friend and longtime partner for us here at VolQuest.com. Check out one of their three locations in East Tennessee to serve you. They've got that one in Knoxville on Kingston Bike just across from Trader Joe's. Um, or Trader Joe, excuse me, and you can uh, buy online at their website at SmokyMountainOrganics.com. That's Smoky Mountain Organics, East Tennessee's most trusted health and wellness store, focusing on natural products and organic remedies. All right, so it is the, I guess, official start to football season this week in some form or fashion with SEC Media Days. We got the Major League Baseball draft going on. Uh, big news, big night for t- Tennessee on Sunday night and a little recruiting to get to as well. Let's start first with, uh, Ben, the Major League Baseball draft. What surprised you? I, I know Tony Vitello being good on a studio panel set did not surprise anybody, but what surprised you about the draft on Sunday night? Nor did his hair looking immaculate, which for, for somebody who is losing his hair made me <laughs> extremely jealous. But I knew yeah. Tony would be great. Uh, he, he is very charismatic and uh, Tennessee, I don't think there's anybody better to have up there uh, just because, A, Tennessee had a lot of players potentially being drafted, but Tennessee played a lot of the players uh, that were drafted last night from college. You had some Campbell players go, uh, Georgia Tech players, uh, and, and Tony being the, the ace recruiter that he is, recruited a lot of the high school guys that, that were drafted as well. But uh, aside from Tony V being awesome on the television set, I was surprised that Drew Gilbert fell all the way to 28. Uh, he was a guy that I thought could sneak into the top 10. And it is a, a weak draft in terms of college hitters. Uh, a lot of confusion or or less certainty about who's the, the best college hitter coming out and uh, things like that. So I was a little surprised that Drew Gilbert fell as far as he did. And I'm not completely surprised that Jordan Beck fell out of the first round, but I'm surprised he fell to 38, I, I believe it was. Uh, a little further than I thought he would fall. Um, Drew Gilbert is is not the 28th best player in this draft. Um, he has as high a floor as, as anybody uh, and should have been in the top 20, in my opinion, especially with some of the college outfielders that got drafted uh, in front of him, including my Yankees taking Vanderbilt Spencer Jones three picks ahead of him. Um, but I do think it's a great fit for Drew Gilbert, and I think that's all that matters at the end of the day. And I'm not talking about his swagger and – the Astros and their trash can banging just uh, the Astros are a great organization that developed their players. And it's a great landing spot uh, for Drew. I think the Rockies are a pretty good landing spot for Jordan Beck because they may struggle with developing some pitchers out there in, in Colorado, but they develop hitters year after year after year. And he'll love hitting in that ballpark. Blake Tidwell falling as far as he did uh, was surprising as well. 52 to the Mets. And, and that's a good landing spot for him. The Mets are, are good at developing pitchers. So, uh, all the Vols fell a little further than I thought that they would. But more importantly to me, they landed in great spots. Uh, so that was the surprise. The big one to me was Drew Gilbert falling as, fall, falling as far as he did. Yeah, you got to think Tidwell not pitching as much as he did this year hurt his draft stock, um, you know, m- missing all the time that he missed there. My question about Tony Vitello, Austin Price, first time he's had a suit on since – he was introduced at his press conference with John Curry, AP. You, you think that's the first time he's had a suit on? No. Okay. I, I, you think I, he's I, been I, to a wedding or something? 
I think he's um, he is he he attends enough uh, soirees. <laughs> Um, to, to, to be in a tie somewhere and, and yeah and, and and goes in enough places with the the female persuasion to uh <laughs> dress up at some point in a suit or at bare minimum sport coat with a button-up so there you, there i'd say go. that i'd say he wears a sport coat with a button-up quite frequently maybe not the tie but the the the, the coat and the, the button-up i think is pretty pretty quick yeah who is ben who's the one that's on the cusp of being drafted and or may not be drafted or or who who do you look at on the list of Tennessee players that are eligible? I know the draft is uh, gone on on Monday, so when we're, we're recording this, there's plenty of other action happening. But who are you looking at to wonder where where they might land? Who's the the biggest curiosity for you out of this Tennessee roster? Well, in your previous question, I also should have mentioned Reggie Crawford, the UConn transfer that was drafted 30th yeah, overall. He, he gone. He yes, gone. He, he, he is gone, and, and he is going to get a, a big payday. I meant to look up the slot value for his pick, but he's going to make some nice coin uh, there at, at 30 overall. I think it was around like $2.2 million is what his, his signing bonus uh, will, will be, and that was a big question, Mark. That was the question for Tennessee in the draft was, will a team be willing to give Reggie Crawford that much money, first-round money, when he hasn't thrown a pitch since Tommy John? He, he's awesome. He's a heck of a pitcher. 100 from the left side, he, he's worth every penny, but he hasn't proven himself since Tommy John, so that was a big question mark, and he is definitely gone after being the last pick in the first round. Uh, the next big question, and like you said, we're recording this Monday before the, the rounds three through ten take place. So uh, Ben Joyce, Trey Lipscomb, I don't expect them to be on the board too long. Uh, they, they should be early third-round picks, uh, no later than fourth-round picks in, in my opinion, but we'll see there. Uh, Will Mabry, I think his draft stock is higher than than people realize because he's a lefty that throws it pretty easy from the left side, has some juice on his fastball, and has some nice natural cut, nice breaking balls as well. Uh, so I think he'll get drafted pretty high. I, I think the big question or the guy kind of hanging in the balance are some of the older ones. Evan Russell, Luke Lipsius, can they sneak into the back end of the draft? Uh, Camden Sewell, I think he's certainly talented enough to, to be drafted within the top 10 rounds, it's it's a 20-round draft. I think he should go in the 8 to 12-round range, but but will he? Uh, hasn't really proven himself as a starter because of Tennessee's depth the, the last uh, many years under Tony Vitello. So uh, Camden Sewell and kind of those older guys and, and where they fit in in this draft are, are the big question marks. Courtland Lawson, everybody's kind of sleeping on him as well. Um, Tennessee fans don't necessarily have a ton of stock in him, but the best shortstop or the shortstop on all great teams always benefit from being on a great team, no matter how good you are. If, if you're the shortstop on a great team, you're going to probably going to be drafted higher than, than you actually deserve. And I think Cortland's a nice player as well. So uh, he'll come off the board at some point. Jarrell Ortega, he should be drafted fairly high. Um, but the, those older guys who are bona fide pro prospects, are, are they able to sneak into the draft like Sean Hunley did last year? All right. All right. Uh, so we'll keep – go ahead, AP. Oh, all right, Ben. So, who, who's most likely to potentially still come back if they don't get the right draft spot or slot? And then, th- and then two, uh, do we do we chalk up the first, the three first round pick, or the three first day picks as the next Craig Biggio, the next Larry Walker, and the next David Cohn? Go. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, all three are going to. 
the Hall of Famers, w- without a doubt. Uh, I don't. I don't think there is a guy that that's going to come back. To be honest with you, I, I think Tennessee was on the verge of getting Blake Tidwell back last night until the Mets called him and dis- decided to spend more money than than maybe they were initially anticipating because of how far he fell. As you mentioned earlier, uh, Brent or AP, one of you, uh, Tidwell really was was hurt in terms of draft stock by being injured this season that that he lost a lot of money a lot of those college pitchers were yes absolutely Uh, and I talked earlier about the 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 lack of conviction in college hitters there's that same lack of conviction in college arms because so many were hurt this year so many of the top pitchers in in college baseball are, are coming off Tommy John or or some form of arm injury and Blake Tidwell unfortunately lost money because of that and uh, didn't necessarily look like the the pitcher he can be so Tennessee was on the verge of getting Blake Tidwell back last night because of how far he fell uh, and then the Mets swooped in at the last minute and offered him a, a nice bag so uh, I don't think there is a guy that is is in the draft and is in kind of in limbo I Courtney Lawson he doesn't have a spot now that Maui Ahuna uh, the Kansas transfer is, is here. I, I guess he could slide over to second. But, again, I think he's going to be drafted higher than people anticipate. Darrell Ortega, there, there's zero chance he comes back. Uh, I, I guess your answer would be Camden Sewell. Uh, if he just went undrafted or, or went at the very end of the draft, then, then maybe he's uh, enticed to come back. But I don't think that's his or his family's mentality. Uh, a Will Mabry, maybe. But, again, Will told me earlier this week that his advisors were telling him, rounds four through eight and if he goes in the fourth to eighth round he's not coming back to school because he'll get a nice signing bonus as well so I, I don't think there is anybody honestly and and when you look at the high school signing class that that Tony Vitello has coming in not a lot of concern there with the draft uh, here over the next couple of days and then it feels like this draft based on what happened last night the, the major league teams like college players a little bit more than they do some of the high school kids considering where that was five or 10 years ago. It seems like there's been a real shift there, which I guess is a credit to the development of the college game, Ben. Yes. And COVID. Uh, This is a effect from COVID as well, in my opinion, just because college coaches and and pro teams, there was about a year, year and a half to where they couldn't scout and get out on the road like they traditionally do. So some of these kids aren't as well known uh, both at the college level and the pro level when it comes to scouting, but Tennessee's not too worried about its signing class. There's a couple of guys that they're keeping an eye on, but nobody that they're really worried about. Alex Stanwich, an outfielder from Illinois, uh, he's been compared to Jordan Beck to me and and further developed than Jordan when entering college. Uh, again, he's an outfielder from Illinois. They're, they're slightly worried about him, but don't think that, that he's not going to make it in. Uh, there, there's an outfielder, Reese Chapman from Colorado, who's been a big-time prospect, a, a little bit worried with him uh there's a player from st louis uh that's the only reason they're worried about him is because the cardinals or not the cardinals but the royals uh, the kansas city royals they tend to overspend in the draft and and that that's why the draft makes these college coaches so nervous because you think a kid is coming to school and then all of a sudden a team swoops in and gives gives the kid probably way more money than they actually deserve just for the sake of, of signing them. Just it happened with Ryan spikes last year. Uh, Tennessee thought they were going to get the shortstop from Georgia and, and would have been probably Tennessee's best freshman. <laughs> uh, he, he was highly regarded more so than, than Blake Burke and Christian Moore and, and up there with Chase Burns. 
and Tennessee got out of the first and second round. They were feeling good. He goes in the third round to the Rays, and the Rays gave him first-round money or, or early second-round money and, and kind of swooped in at the last second and, and uh, stole him from Tennessee. So that's the worry with these high school kids. They don't necessarily think that anybody's going to get drafted high enough to leave. They're just worried that a team's going to give them more money than than maybe they actually deserve just for the sake of signing them. So uh, there's a couple of guys that they've got got their eye on, a little bit worried about, but nobody that they're – just completely worried like last year that they're not going to make it to campus. All right. We'll see what happens with the baseball draft moving forward as that continues to roll on. Uh, Austin, let's talk a little football recruiting before we get into the back half of this podcast and and talk some SEC media day topics and and different things there. Um, Tennessee had that flurry in in early July that we talked about, uh, kind of anticipated Seems like it's slowed down a little bit here, middle of the month, and and that's kind of I guess anticipated as well. What's on the horizon? What do you get your eyes on in recruiting here over the next week and a half, two weeks before camp starts? Well, there's three names that I think you look at um, specifically. Um, we'll start with Nathan Laycock. Laycock will uh, pull the trigger on Friday. Um, I'd be again, I'd be I'd be feeling pretty good if I'm Tennessee. I think Tennessee's in a really good spot there. Um, really likes Kelsey Pope a ton. Feels like he fits into Tennessee's offense and somebody that can run and and do what he can do at his size is a, is a, is a nice, solid get. Um, then there's Stanton Ramil, who is yet to name a date. I, I continue to be told end of July, uh, maybe first week August, but likely end of July. Um, seems like it's shaping up that way. I, you know, I know Tennessee feels like, you know, Feels like you know there's a lot of great dialogue there. Um, I, again, I, I think Tennessee's the team to, to watch there. Um, and then David Hobbs, David's alignment earned an offer in June. Uh, Going to do something first part of August. You know, we'll see. I, I, you know, some people have got him kind of pegged to stay in the state of North Carolina. I'm not ready to go that far. I'm ready to kind of keep this thing wide open here with a couple of weeks to go and and see if Tennessee can make a real move here the, the last couple of weeks. Um, and then there are other guys, Jakeem Jackson, going to do something on the 28th. That just feels like Florida. I mean, I, the only thing that gave me pause and reason to put that in the war room is a lot of people had his brother pegged to you know, run track at whatever school. They, they will go to the same school. Then the brother went to Kentucky. You know, um, you know, The brother did not mesh with Tennessee's new track coach when they were at North Carolina, at A&T, whatever it was. Um, so he probably was never going to come here. So I thought, well, if the brother's not going to go to Florida, then that may open things up for Jakeem to go to, to Tennessee. We'll see. A lot of people still haven't paid for Florida. Um, and then, you know, Ricky Gibson going to take that visit to Georgia. You know, we'll see what, what Georgia wants to do with him. Do they push to take him? If so, then I'd probably like Georgia's chances there. If not, then – you know, I think Tennessee's chances increased dramatically. Interesting on on Hobbs, you know, with, with his sister being a high-profile basketball player, camped at Tennessee, Tennessee's recruiting her. Don't know how big of a factor that's going to be. I think South Carolina and UConn have, have expressed interest in her as well. She's a year younger than him. Um, I, I don't think they're a given to play together, but you wonder if there's a tie there or if that has any effect on it. And as for Stanton, um my question with Stanton is: Is that Michigan State in Tennessee, or is somebody else in that deal? AP. It feels those two, those two, and then I think the sneaky team there is Clemson. Okay. Um, I think the sneaky team there. Um, 
So definitely bears watching. But again, I still think Tennessee is the team to beat for Stanton Ramil as we, you know, reach the nineteenth of of July. Does um, but it is. But but if you're a, but if you're a recruiting junkie, like you just need to calm your jets. Like I keep getting all these questions on the board. I like I've answered the same fourteen questions like you know seventeen different ways. Like it's just not a whole lot going on right now. It, this is a slow time. Tennessee had that huge flurry with eight guys pulling the trigger in the matter of a week and a half, like there's going to be a little bit of a lull here. Even if, you know, even if they land Lake Clock on Friday and Ramil, let's say at the end of the month, it's just going to slow down dramatically as we reach the season. It always does because kids get into their high school season. They're now into getting close to going into two a days or depending on what state you're in or, you know, or whatever. And, and, and then Tennessee obviously is getting ready to start fall camp here in, you know, less than two weeks. So, you know, it's going to slow down dramatically and, and just, the, you know, the, don't worry about numbers. The numbers are what they are. Tennessee's going to take as many guys as they can, in my opinion, based off the fact that, you know, you can, and there's likely going to be a lot of defections across college football at the end of the season. All right. So uh, you mentioned Georgia getting a visit from Ricky Gibson. It obviously opens up a little bit here at the end of the month. Do you anticipate Tennessee having many or anybody in and are you surprised the NCAA has opened it back up for that last week of July, that they keep that open there and does, don't just shut it all down? Because you know most high school coaches have no desire for their kid to go on a visit or go see anything that the last weekend of the month while they're in a scrimmage on a Friday night or they've got whatever they've got going on on a Saturday. So, one, do you anticipate Tennessee having visitors? Two, are you surprised it's still an open period? Yes, they will have visitors. I think they're having a barbecue. I think – There'll be a lot of commits in, and then, you know, we'll see who else makes it in. Does Stanton Ramil make it in? You know, who, who makes it in? Does David Hobbs make it in? Um, and then, you know, what 24s make it in? Does Boo Carter make it in? You know, um, I think those are important kind of factors, like what 24s can kind of get to town that weekend. Um, but, no, I'm not surprised. It was, it's been open for years outside of when COVID shut it down, and, you know, the one thing that's this year that's positive this year is you can't do individual workouts anymore uh, unless it's on a camp day and there are no camps that week. So, like, high school coaches don't have to worry about them going and getting, you know, pulling a hamstring or tweaking an ankle or anything like that. It's just a matter of, you know, they're going away. And, and most of these, I mean, I don't know any high schools that are practicing on the weekend. Right. So, you're, you know, you're really – you're not really missing your high school stuff because it's going to be, you know, Saturday at noon, you know, even if, if you do something Friday, you can get out of town and get to Tennessee or wherever you're going, whatever school you're going to uh, by Saturday around lunch. Yeah. I'm just a little surprised that they didn't take the COVID window and just say, Hey, we're going to shut the whole month down and, and keep it, keep it that way basically till September 1st. But um, I mean, I get it. If you're a coach, you know, you get back off vacation. But I mean, you're bringing your kids in that weekend anyway to start camp. So um, I, I totally get why you why you bring guys in on visits. I'm just a little surprised at the NCAA with all the activity that the month of May and June has become that they just haven't said, "Hey, the whole month of July is closed. Everybody 
you know, get away a little bit. But if they were going to do that, they would have not reopened it coming out of COVID. And when they reopened right. it a year ago, I don't think they were going to shut it down. No, I agree. Time. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I just a little surprised they didn't do that. And I'm surprised there's not been more of a push. I guess if you're a coach and you suggest that, that's probably a bad thing because it means you don't it appears that you don't want to recruit. So nobody's really going to advocate for that. I'm sure there's a lot of coaches who would like for that to happen because it means that the whole month of July is a little bit more of a relaxing, a few days relaxing, but at the end of the day, it's probably not that big of a deal. But I mean, like, you know, it's all what you want to make it. I mean, like, I don't think anybody's saying Dabo Sweeney doesn't like to recruit. He just likes to get his stuff done by a certain time. I mean, you know, by middle of June, they were done. They didn't have official visits those last couple of weekends when Josh Heupel were putting in, you know, 14 hour days over on campus. You know, they were off. The last weekend, Kentucky had no official visits. The, the coaches were gone. You know, they were already into their summer vacation. So, again, it's what all you want to make it. Whereas hyping them, they're coming in on Monday following the official visit weekend to, you know, review camp stuff. I mean, again, it's, it's what each individual staff wants to make out of it. And so, you know, if you want to have people in that last week of July, schools will. But some may want. They won't. Yeah. They, they don't. They don't want to. They want to focus on their own team, and you know they feel like they've got a lot of work done uh, with this class already, and they don't feel like they need to. Yeah, that's a good point. It is up to each individual school and coach as to what they want to do. All right, uh, it is the uh, I guess the official start of college football season for the SEC, as this is the Ben McKee, the Bush Beans. SEC Media Days or SEC Media Days brought to you by Bush Beans. I don't. I don't know if that means, Austin, that you're limited in your Dr. Pepper consumption uh, while you're there. We'll still have Dr. Pepper. Still have Dr. Pepper. I don't know if they're serving a side of beans with those or not, but it is the Bush Beans SEC Media Days at the College Football Hall of Fame in Atlanta that's somehow presented, I'm sure, by Chick-fil-A somewhere along the way as well as they get their NASCAR sponsorships in. NIL is going to dominate the conversation down there. If and we'll see what Greg Sankey has to say in just a little bit when he addresses the media. Where's Greg Sankey feeling about NIL right now, given the fact that three, four of his schools in the league have publicly come out and said to their fan base and their donors, hey, donate to the collective, help our student athletes out. Um, how's Greg Sankey playing NIL at SEC Media Days in front of all the media? Well, I would imagine he's being pretty cautious uh, with it because it, we're, we're still in this weird spot of being allowed to, to essentially pay for recruits, but also not really knowing what the, the rules are still, or still trying to. It's because there to, are to, no rules. <laughs> yes, exactly. It, it's, it's really weird right now uh, because you're, you're allowed to, to use NIL to your advantage but in a way, it feels like you're not allowed to, to use NIL. The, the, the teams to have come out and said, yeah, we're using NIL to, to our advantage. They've kind of been shamed in a way. Just, just go back to the Nick Saban and, and Jimbo Fisher dispute. So I, I think he'll be kind of cautious uh, with his comments and give the, the typical political down the middle answer, answer of how it can be beneficiary to a program, but we also have to make sure that that we're doing it the right way. I'm sure he'll be kind of cautious and, and weary with it um, because he also has a school in his conference, Tennessee, who technically is still under NCAA investigation. So uh, I, I think he'll be kind of cautious with his comments and, and kind of play it down the middle. AP, will that, will that, will NIL be the dominant topic for, th- for three days? Or, or do you think that that's, 
that there's going to be enough people who are not going to get not going to get into those conversations that it really becomes kind of a non-topic pretty quickly down there. I, I'll be honest with you. I, the the biggest the big the, what I believe to be the biggest issue with college sports or college specifically college football or or even basketball uh, and maybe even sometimes sometimes baseball is is not nil. I mean, kids been getting paid for years. They were getting paid a hundred grand. Now they're getting paid a million. You know, in, in some instances, right? And we know about um, it. So, like, getting paid is not some new entity. It's just so in the it was in the periphery, and now it's like right in your face. Um, it's like getting pied in the face. Um, the, the biggest issue for me is is the transfer portal and the fact that kids are are getting poached left and right. Um, you know, and it's only going to get worse. Like, you don't think everybody got to this off season and saw people moving around and said, "Man." we were late to the game on this and now all these kids are going to start getting poached even more. That's why everybody in college athletics expects post this 2022 fall, it's going to be a madhouse because there's going to be so much tampering going on because players are going to call their buddies that they've known for years that are at different schools and go, come here. We need this. You could be the difference in championships. We got a huge NIL deal for you. Blah, 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 blah. Now here's the caveat to that. What school, what school, and there's going to be one, leads the way in defaulting on a payment? Because I'm telling you, this whole notion that everybody's just got unlimited money is not right. And 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 so somebody's going to default on a payment, and some kid, recruit, transfer, whatever is going to go, this is BS, I was promised this, they didn't deliver, and then you talk about tanking your ability to recruit. Like no school can afford that to happen to them, do, and do you, so, so I think that's I, I, I think that's the topic is that no one's going to talk about. Everybody's going to just talk about specifically NIL hubs to answer your question. But I think the biggest issue is the transfer portal with NIL. It's the combination of the two and how kids are just going to be going back and forth. Do, do, that's what I was going to ask you. Do you think so that, nobody I mean, wants to talk about that? The transfer portals. I mean, it's not like this is the first year you know, or even the second year of the transfer portal. Is the difference in the portal now because of the money transfer kids are getting to go, that it is, when they talk about free agency out there, that's, to me, that's the purest form of college football free agency. Is a guy like Jordan Addison leaving Pittsburgh for, for, for the best deal he can get? Right. I mean, you know, we, we all we all get Isaiah Nair leaving because he left Wyoming and he's going to a power five. But but you got power five guys going to other power five places all about ACC all about the money leaving to go to USC. Yeah, I mean, all about the money. And, and so my question is, is that the biggest concern with the transfer portal is the is what is the tie in for the fact that it is, quote, free agency in college football? Yeah, I mean, for me it is. I mean, I just don't think nobody wants to talk about it. Like, you know, I mean, like think about like Alabama's benefiting, you know, all these schools, USC's benefiting. No one wants to talk about that. To me, it's far – it's a far greater issue than the whole like inducements of a high school prospect that Nick wants to talk about. Like, you know, are you kidding me right now? Like, 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 you're just as guilty like going and poaching kids from other places. You think the Herald kid at Louisville just said, you know, I'm just not happy here. I'm going to go, I, I'm going to go to Alabama. Is Alabama going to take me? Oh, sure. Okay. I'll go there. I mean, like, you know, it, 
people from Alabama, I'm not saying Nick called, but like the players on your team call, which is totally legal. And, and then you got these kids that are going in there and they're negotiating for themselves, in my opinion, in a lot of instances. Now, a few of them do have some representatives, um, but in a lot of instances, they're negotiating for themselves. It's almost like a shakedown. Hey, if I don't get X amount, I'm going to the transfer portal. And these schools are having to call bluffs left and right. Sometimes you call a bluff and it backfires. Sometimes you call a bluff and it works. Um, you know, the, the whole thing is just, it's, it's, it's seriously flawed. And, you know, that doesn't mean you can't enjoy um, the games in the fall. Cause I know you can, we're all going to enjoy getting back inside 90,000, hundred thousand seat stadiums and watching Tennessee play Georgia or Alabama play Auburn or whatever, like it's college football. But at the same time, when you look at all the change, the NIL, the, the transfer portal, the combination of the two, now all these super conferences coming about, like for for people that have watched college football for 30, 40, 50 years, it takes the fun out of it for them. And I get why some people are just like, man, this just isn't the same. I mean, like it, there's so much change at one time. This wasn't like done over a 10-year period. This was done over an 18-month period. Uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. It'll certainly be interesting. I think the other two topics, man, as we wrap it up here, conference realignment, which I'm sure Greg Sankey is going to be very much down the middle of the road on. And then the other one is – What if he didn't? What, what if he hugs? What if he just walked in there and said, guys, we're getting Florida State, Clemson. <laughs> he just walked in there like a boss move. Well, I think I think the other question about that is – that's going to be out there is the scheduling standpoint. And the, the question with the scheduling to me is – what are they going to go with? And then is Oklahoma and Texas going to come early? Um, you know, that, that is going to happen. So um, I, I don't know. I think that's the big question that's going to end up there, Ben. That's going to be fascinating. Yeah, and, and one quick thing on the tampering thing I, I was going to add. Uh, Tony Vitello was on national radio last week and flat out said that a, a lot of these transfers – they're done deals before the transfer actually even hits the portal. So I, I think the tampering is without a doubt the biggest issue in college athletics. Not not done NIL, deals. Done not, deals. Yes. Not Jordan not Addison. The, Jordan Addison and Caleb Williams there, Ben, were done deals to USC before yep, yep. they ever hit the portal. And they That's went the issue. And, and, and they did the same little song and dance. Hey, we're gonna go visit Ole Miss, and hey, yep. Jordan, you go visit Alabama, and we'll act like that this is a real decision. And then at the end, we'll all just pick USC, and everybody will just go, "Oh man, USC just had they just had what he was looking for." Not nah, dude, it was done, right? Been done, and that way in baseball, it's that way in every sport because so much tampering goes on. Yep, transferring is not an issue. It's the fact that it's a done deal, but. Uh, I'm, I'm real curious to see if, if the SEC announces something with scheduling this week. It seemed like they were real close to, to being done with, with future scheduling at the spring meetings. Uh, self-admittedly, I was in full baseball season mode at that point, so I, I don't really know what the, the model might look like. Uh, but it did seem like they were close to announcing a, a, ske- a new schedule model. So I'll be curious to see uh, if, if Greg Sankey and the SEC does have something uh, to to announce there because I agree with you. I, I think in terms of conference realignment and and unless they do have something up their sleeve with announcing new teams, I, I think he'll not even play it down the middle. I, I think he'll kind of decline to comment, uh, to be quite honest, because he's said all that he can said up until this point. But uh, and then I, I know you didn't ask about this, but with Tennessee, I think that's going to be the big conversation for Josh Heupel on Thursday because outside of Knoxville. 
what is the talk about Tennessee football right now? It's, it's kind of the NIL, in my opinion. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Josh Heifel maybe peppered with some NIL questions from media members outside of Knoxville on Thursday when he goes. Yeah, I, I don't I don't disagree because I think from a national standpoint, the Nico storyline is, is something that that you know the regional writers and, and national writers would like to get more in depth about because I don't think Austin that Nico and his family are going to be doing a lot of talk and they're doing a lot of stories or anything like that. So they're trying to find some angle with that story to to a degree, um, you know, for sure. The last thing, and I mentioned this in the war room, anybody going to show up with NIL gear to market? Somebody will. If you're Hendon Hooker, do you roll in with your book? I mean, I'm being serious. I'm not not being a smart aleck. I'm just, I mean, do you? I would. Does somebody roll in with that? I would would put it on the podium. I'm assuming that Hendon will be at a podium. If he is at a podium, I'd set it up right there in front of me. it, like if, if you're like promoting Coke or your book or whatever, yes. Do I think they're going to walk in there with like, you know, with one of Mark Packer's polos for Aubrey Thursday with 14 <laughs> different patches on it? No, I don't mean that. I'm just mean if they've got a product to sell, is anybody out there talking about their product? I think we'll be, I think we'll be interesting. We'll see if that happens. That could be a next wave uh, in SEC media days, which is pretty fascinating. Consider um, you got a commissioner who's been very, um, you know, he's on the transformation committee and there's a lot of talk about, you know, NIL and seeing Congress and all those types of things. So that, that storyline is going to be pretty fascinating. We'll have full coverage of Tennessee, uh, at the, uh, uh, SEC Media Day meetings on Thursday. That's when Tennessee uh, meets the media there. So we'll have that coming up on Thursday. Bright and early. Bright and early. Eric Kane will keep a close tab on things down there until Tennessee goes on Thursday. And we'll continue to follow the Major League Baseball draft as well. And plenty of other things going on at VolQuest.com. That's going to do it for this edition of the Tuesday podcast presented by our friends at Smoky Mountain Organics. For Ben McKee and Austin Price, I'm Brett Hubbs. Thanks for joining us. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, everybody. You've been listening to the VolQuest podcast every week here on VolQuest.